1: listening to the fantasy sports radio network Fantasy, best forever friends forever
0: fennessy best friends yeah this is the Fantasy Best Friends Forever here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Alongside Frankie Stample, I am Greg Sussman. Frankie, what's happening, bud?
2: Greggy,
3: happy Tuesday. Lots to recap from last night. It's Alex Verdugo time, Greggy. How about that? How about that? One show planned. Baseball first hour. Um, football second hour. Yes. got to recap some of the NFL draft, top skill position players that were drafted, uh, what it means for fantasy football, Redraft. Dynasty, who fits in where, yada, yada, yada. whole lot to talk about.
0: Yeah, very excited to do Bats Very it. Excited to do Both
3: sports today.
0: June Day will join us for that. Yes. As will, Chris, as will Chris, Venture. Chris
3: Venture. Chris Venture?
0: Yeah, it'll be good. It'll be, it'll be uh, really, really good uh, to do that and, and have that, uh, have some football conversation back. I did a little bit with J.J. Zacharias in a Fandle. Probably should ask asked him to come on. Probably. We got Jim.
3: We'll get him at some point. No, yeah, yeah. Look. Very happy to have Jim. Fantasy test, obviously, but I want to try and get as many different guests as possible.
0: Yeah, yeah of course. So well, I talked well, to JJ got a about a lot it. of
3: time before football.
0: I talked yeah. to JJ about it yesterday, and he's got some feelings, and so I, I know where he's at. So I can, uh, I feel like I know more information now. So that's good.
3: I sleep last night, Greg?
0: You know, I slept well. I was up vividly at three thirty. Like I had like a very vivid dream, and this is fu- this is not funny, but um. Chris's mom is having surgery in a little bit, um, and I had a dream that I was in the hospital having the same surgery, not with Chris's mom, but I guess because it was in my head yeah, yeah, yeah. the day, like a subconscious. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was having that surgery today, and I was fine. Like I, the surgery has under anesthesia. Like four hours later, I woke up fine, and like they said you can only like, drink certain fluids. I was like, nah, I'm ready for like real food. I was like trying to discuss with the doctor, and we were watching a movie, and I woke up. Like thinking it was like the morning. It was like three thirty in the morning, and then I had it was very strange. And then like closer to the time I wake up. I was having like very vivid—I don't know—memories or dreams or thoughts that like Todd Frazier would make a great manager.
3: Salt shaker, baby. Salt and pepper. Like I was—I like, was like Todd Fraser For
0: some reason, I had this vivid thought that Todd Frazier, like future manager of the Mets. I'm just like, all right,
3: maybe. Do you remember your dreams
0: often? Right when I'm right when I wake up, I do. Like not like not at this point. Okay. Like the details that I remembered hours ago, I don't know. I don't remember at all now. Okay. You know. But when I was in it, like, when I woke up, like, I 1,000% remembered them very vividly. Like, characters that are in it and thoughts, yeah.
3: I never remember any of my dreams.
0: So when you just wake up, it's like you... It's blank,
3: blank slate. Blank you blank don't slate. remember anything. Yeah. I stayed up pretty late last night because I was watching a Nuggets game. Great game. Great game between the Nuggets and the Blazers. So I stood up to watch that. A little bit of back and forth. Nuggets pulled away. Monster game from Jokic. Um, He's so good. Watched, watched some baseball early on. Uh, was watching Erod versus Montas. I was doing not great there.
0: I was watching. Overall. I was watching a lot of sports last night because I was living between that, the Mets because Wheeler was on the mound. I um, had MLB Network on, so I was switching between that. The early game, I had that going on. It was just a, a, a lot of sports. One then at Raw, so a lot, a lot
3: happening. Yeah, I'm probably just gonna take a break from wrestling till Summerslam.
0: I wish I could too. <laughs> I wish. I wish I could too
3: just don't have enough time to watch Raw or SmackDown. Yeah,
0: I mean, I just, I, I, like I said, I do it in about an hour. I know hour. you,
3: like, fast forward
0: I, the, the entire show. I don't have time for it. Yeah. You get that. I watched Killing Eve last night as well.
3: I watched the Not first episode, episode of Brockmire. What'd you think? Night, it was pretty cool. It's funny, right? Yeah, yeah I liked it. it All right, was, cool. Yeah. It was interesting. Did I watch last week's Brockmire? Oh, I
0: did. It was good.
3: Yeah. I do look forward to watching more It's very quick. It's like 20 minutes long. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Oh, speaking of which, what's up? Much better at choosing shows than Kinga. She put on a show just before that. She's like, uh, let's try this out. It's funny. Sure. This, what show is it? Uh, I mean, I, gotta, I don't even remember the name. It was so bad.
0: Do you know any uh, details about it?
3: Something about leaving Netflix. Is
0: it, is, it, is it leaving? Is that the name of the show?
3: No, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I'll text her. I'll find out. I'll get it to you before the show's over.
0: Okay. I mean, I'm always interested.
3: Yeah, I don't remember the name of it. It was so bad. <laughs>
0: But what was it about? It was like random
3: like, comedy like, skits together.
0: Oh, yeah, I heard about this. It's not good. I heard it was not good. I heard it was bad.
3: She put her, she's like, so you didn't like it, right? And I didn't want to tell her the truth. I didn't, you know, I didn't Why? Want to her you got to be, be honest. Her. No, I was like, oh, yeah, I didn't really like it. But deep down, I was like, this is the worst <laughs> thing I've ever watched in my life. She's not watching. And
0: then what did she say about Brockmire?
3: Uh She was like, you know, it's pretty interesting. It's good. Okay, you're like, I'll take it. She probably hates it, too. <laughs> so uh, better, we're <laughs> in the same
0: boat. So the problem was, after I watched Brockmire season, the, like the first season, I walked around the apartment saying, I'm Jim Brockmire, and she was like, I effing hate that. Please stop. Please, I, can, I couldn't stop for like a couple hours. Like you, you just want to do it, you know?
3: Yeah. <laughs> you get where I'm really. going? No, you don't, you, don't, you don't want to do the accent? I can't even pull it off. I mean, the guy just has a very, uh, very interesting. He's a vast voice. I love radio it. voice. It's it's
0: great. Great. Hey, he's great. He, he's awesome. All right. Uh, let's get into baseball last night. We, spent, we mentioned on ESPN you had the Red Sox and the Athletics. It was Ed E. Rodriguez against my man, Frankie Montas. And it was not a pitching gem from either side. Ed Eduardo Rodriguez allowed four runs in the second inning. And that was it. Got himself in a bit of trouble in the fifth. Got pulled. He was upset by this. Uh, went nuts in the, in the dugout. But Heath Embury got him out of it. And that was the final line, which was four, four and two thirds. Seven hits, four runs all in the second inning. Two walks, seven strikeouts. The Red Sox bullpen was fantastic after that, working in and out of trouble. Ryan Brazier pitched in the seventh after Brent Workman got him in a little bit of trouble. Brazier got him right out of it. And Matt Barnes wound up getting the save his first since opening day. On the other side for Oakland is Frankie Montas, uh, who was, you know, I wouldn't say breezing through. but got through the first couple of innings pretty easily, and then all hell broke loose in the fourth. In the third inning. Where a horrific throw by Jerickson Profar, followed up by a Frankie Montas error himself, allowed six runs to come through in the third, none of which were earned, came back out for the fourth, all good, came back out for the fifth. Not all good uh, as he allowed another run. He went four in the third, eight hit seven runs, only one were earned, uh, two walks struck out four, seventy-five pitches. We knew it was a brutal matchup, and it was for Frankie Montas. Had to see this pitching matchup,
2: Frank?
3: Yeah, I don't understand why Eduardo Rodriguez was so angry. I mean, he was at seven pitches. Yeah, he just didn't pitch well overall. I mean, it's a pretty it's a pretty tough matchup for left-handed pitchers going up against the A's lineup. There's a lot of really strong right-handed batters in this lineup. Obviously, Semien, Matt Chapman, Piscotti, Chris Davis, Pinder matches against lefties as well. Uh, Ramon Laureano, even Jerkson Profar, your boy, Greg. Jerkson Profar was batting 165. <laughs> Got on the board last night and had a hit in two ribbies. Uh yeah, just overall, it's just not a good matchup for left-handed pitchers going up against the Oakland A's. Uh, so we saw that here with Erod. Still did have the seven strikeouts and four and two-thirds innings pitch, but overall just didn't really have it here. Reggie Montas, yeah, it's just terrible defense behind him. You see that by the line. Um, seven runs, only one of them was earned. I mean, he caused that himself. Obviously, you mentioned it with the error that he had, uh, but still gave up eight hits, only four and a third innings pitched. And I still like Montas a lot. It's just... Starting to get a little bit worried. The past two starts, he's given up a lot of hits, and that's kind of what Florio was talking about. Doesn't miss enough bats. So I'm going to pay t- close attention to Montas. I still like him a lot. I still think that his arsenal is really interesting. You watch him pitch. He's got the mid to upper 90s fastball. He's got, you know, a near 90 mile per hour slider, near 90 par- per hour splitter that he's implementing this year. So he has an interesting arsenal, which just kind of gives off that Eovaldi vibe to me a little bit sometimes. That he has the stuff, but doesn't really know how to pitch, doesn't really know how to mix miss bats all that much. Maybe it's a sequencing thing. It's, he's still learning how to pitch, like, on the fly right now. So that's, that's my biggest issue with Montas. I still like him, but I want to start to see him develop a little bit here. And then the stuff with the Red Sox uh, bullpen, just more of the same. It was interesting. Ryan Brazier comes in in the seventh um, with two outs. He pitches, you know, an inning and a third. Uh, at the time when he came in, it was 7-4, to four. so there are days where he's used in the ninth inning. There are other days where he's kind of using a setup role, and yesterday was one of those days where he was a setup pitcher, and Matt Barnes ultimately comes in once there was bases loaded in the ninth inning, picks up a save, even though they were up by five runs. Uh, Greg, do you see any rhyme or reason to the Red Sox bullpen right now? It's kind of matchup-based, but they're both right-handed pitchers, so... Yeah, I don't... I think it's kind of just like, a feel thing for Alex Cora and the Red Sox. Yeah, so
0: I was actually trying to figure that out, and it just seemed like for whatever reason they trusted Barnes more in the middle innings, Brazier more at the end. And I don't know if it was because they trusted Barnes for like multiple innings or whatnot, and they just trusted Brazier for that one, that ninth inning. And last night, Brazier goes an inning and a third. So, I, I wish I knew. They're, they're both right-handed, as you said. I don't think anybody knows. Samir.
3: I I don't know. I mean, this I, is I, a guessing I, game. It's it, kind of like 50-50 it's, it's for both. It's a
0: feel for some way. What, what are the... Differences in how they pitch, Frank. Do you happen to know that by any chance?
3: Not really. Like, only from what I've seen with the Red Sox facing the Yankees. Like, when uh, Brazier came in to face Brett Gardner, like, that was a big spot. Again, it's like, there are times where he's been... And it wasn't even a good matchup because I think Gardner had, like, albeit a small sample size, solid career numbers against him. He might have been, like, two for five or three for five, something like that. But Brazier comes in and gives up the grand slam to Gardner earlier on in the season. Uh, Overall, I think Matt Barnes is the better pitcher. He has... Uh, a better ability to miss bats, he gets more swings and misses, he gets more strikeouts, and, and that's, that's one reason. Yeah, he was like better suited for the middle uh, innings, for, for like the high leverage situations. Right. right. But then last night he comes in. I guess technically it was a high leverage situation, right? So he comes in in the ninth inning with the Red Sox up nine to four. Right. He ends up picking up a save because the tying run is the next man up yep, on, on deck. deck. Uh-huh. Uh, so it's not really a traditional save, but he did come in in a big spot. It's just again, there doesn't really seem to be. Any rhyme or reason for the way yeah. things go. like? I'm looking at it now. The Red Sox numbers for the year. Ryan Brazier has been in for seven of the Red Sox save opportunities. He has six saves. Matt Barnes for three save opportunities. He has one save.
0: Yeah, and w- so, so well, he should have. He has two. He has two saves. One opening day, and one last night.
3: Yeah, but Matt Barnes has 21 strikeouts and 11 innings pitched. So it and sounds Brazier like he, has 12 strikeouts and 13. So it sounds innings
0: like that to me. Like Barnes is the fireman, but why wasn't he using that role last night? I don't get it.
3: That's, yeah, that's why we're talking it out here, trying to figure it out. But I think overall, I didn't realize that Brazier had this many more saves than Barnes. I thought it was a little bit yeah, closer, I know. but he does have six of the seven Red Sox saves this year. So, so it seems like it's more so in phase, in favor of Brazier.
0: So let me put it this way. For like
3: 60-40 or 70-30? Let me put it
0: this way for our fantasy owners, right? If you count holds, both of these guys are owned, obviously. Yep. If you're just in a your standard, your 12-team home league, right? In my league, for instance... Both of them are owned by the same guy. Both of them are owned by the same guy because you're getting ERA and whip, kind of like we talked about, not necessarily Josh Hader, but some of the really good releases, Ryan Presley comes to mind. Yep. And you're getting essentially Matt Barnes in that role, and you're getting the saves from Brazier, or if they flip him for whatever reason, like we saw last night, he gets the save anyway. Would you recommend doing that, or would you just own Brazier? Like, what would you do in your standard 12-team league?
3: So, if it's a 12-team, let's say, Roto or head-to-head categories where you just kind of start a bunch of pitchers, I don't have a problem owning both of them. But, for example, in my head-to-head points league, my two home leagues, you just start two relievers. So, I'm not going to own both of these. Okay, okay. Maybe I'll just own Brazier because he has six of their seven saves, and he seems more likely to get saves at this point. So, I'm more likely to own him where I just have to start two relievers, head-to-head points league, whatever. Uh, But I think in your... Roto leagues, where normally you just start nine pitchers, it doesn't matter, you know, if they're starters or relievers. I think there you can own both of them. I think in a head to head categories league, especially in a holes league, you can own both of them. Um, So, you know, in two out of the three main formats, yes, you can own both. But in a head to head points league, or if you just start two relievers and that's all you have to start, I probably wouldn't own Matt Barnes unless holes is a category.
0: Okay. Reasonably enough. Uh, let's get into the hitting from last night. I know you, you hit on the Oakland side of things. Let me hit with the Red Sox, where Michael Chavis once again came through. He was two for four. He had three ribbies. Solidifying his spot in the lineup. I know we've talked about him a lot recently. Just wanted to be clear, Like once again, he gets the job done last night. How about this, though? He played first base, Greg. Which is what we kind of thought could happen. Mitch Moreland, a little Did cold just, right
3: now. Yeah. So look, they're going to find ways to get his bat in the lineup, Greg. Also, um, and
0: also of note, with J.D. Martinez being the, the DH, uh Suwei Lin started at second, so it wasn't like the second-base position wasn't eligible for him. I, I just think they wanted to get him some reps at first base to see where he could fit in the lineup when some of these other infielders come back for Boston.
3: Yeah, I think it makes sense. And um, as I've said, I think as long as, as long as he's hitting well and performing well, look, he's got the batting average up to .286 now. Um, he gets two singles yesterday. One of them was a bloop, three ribbies. Got an OPS over a 1,000, albeit a small sample size. Michael Chavis is performing well. And and how about Mookie Betts? We were just talking about him uh, a couple of weeks ago. Three hits last night. The batting average all the way up to 287,
2: Greg. Oh,
0: No concern
3: for Mookie Betts.
0: No concern whatsoever. He he came through. One name that when you go on Mookie Betts, I was looking up, was Rafael Devers. Because his name we haven't talked about at at all here. Mm. So, Rafael Devers... Uh, on the year, batting 296. The OBP sits at 389. That's pretty good. What's not good is the zero home runs, seven rivies, 15 runs score. That's good. He has four stolen bases in six attempts, so he's running a lot. What do you make of what we've seen thus far from Rafael Devers?
3: Really interesting name. Started looking into him because Florio texted me that's last week. That's exactly
0: night I why happened. I am bringing him up.
3: Rafael Devers has just had like a weird start to the yeah. season. Um, so his launch angle this year is 4.2 degrees on average. Last year, it was 10.9. So 10.9 is kind of closer to a line drive, obviously. 4.2, I mean, he's hitting a lot of ground balls, and you see that in the batted ball data right now. He's got a 55% ground ball rate. He's only hitting fly balls 20% of the time. So what's he's his bat? He's striking out a 367, lot less. Yeah. He's striking out 16.7% of the time. So it seems like he's kind of making more of a conscious effort just to make contact and not necessarily worrying about hitting fly balls and trying to hit home runs it seems like he's just trying to make contact right now and and get on base and maybe hit for batting average which he's doing he's got a 296 average but he's got zero home runs I mean I me personally as a fantasy owner I would tell Devers hey sacrifice some of the batting average how about you hit 270 to 275 and give me 25 home runs that's what I want it's good to see him running though too
0: I'm gonna give you some some more info endeavors on the other side. I wanna get into bed and as well. Stick around, more on the way next on the BFFs.
2: 866-484-9621. That's 866-484-9621. Fantasy Sports Today. And you don't want wife beaters or chi- people that are putting child children in
1: harm's way. You don't want them running around the football field when people know something may have happened. But at the same time, what do you do? You have to you can suspend them for a certain period of time. But you know, when it comes to Reuben Foster and Kareem Hunt and now Tyreek Hill, if the if the league system isn't going to do anything about it. What is the NFL supposed to do? Saturdays, 8 a.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers.
0: We do have some injuries we're going to get to uh, in a few moments when we wrap up the Devers and Ben Attendee conversation. So look forward to that. Certainly A.J. Pollock, Anthony Rendon uh, come to mind there. Robinson Cano uh, as well. But before we hit the break, we were talking about Rafael Devers and what to expect. And what I wanted to bring up, Frank, was in twenty seventeen, that year that he broke out, and we were super high on him going in last year, was I was kinda of looking at the batted ball profile a bit, and he was a fifty percent ground ball guy back then. And that number, you know, went down a little bit last year, back up now this year. So even though the fly ball percentage was obviously higher than it is now, he's always been a strong ground ball guy. His hard hit rate back then, same as it is now, I don't know any any indications that all of a sudden he's just going to start lifting the ball and get back to where we think he could be this twenty to twenty-five home run guy. I don't see any data that makes this thing that's going to happen all of a sudden. In fact, what the only thing I see is that all right, back in twenty seventeen, his Babbit was at three forty two. This year it's at three sixty seven. Last year two eighty one. I assume it's going to be somewhere closer to three hundred than it is three sixty seven. I think these numbers across the board probably for him go down outside the on-base percentage where he seems to have a good eye. I think the number comes down a bit, Frank.
3: I do like the fact that he's walking more this year. It just seems like he's trying to mature this season in terms of cutting down the strikeouts. The swinging strike rate is down. He's walking more, so he's got a better recognition of pitches while he's at the plate. He's not chasing as many pitches outside the strike zone. The line drive rate is up 9%. So he is hitting line drives, and he's hitting a lot of ground balls. But he overall, his fly ball rate is down 18% from last year. So it just seems like he's making a conscious effort right now to make contact, and he's not trying to do too much, but he's not trying to lift the ball. He's just kind of taking what pitchers are giving to him. Yes, he's hitting more line drives. He's hitting more ground balls. It seems like he's naturally maturing as a hitter. You know what it kind of reminds me of a little bit, Greg? Chris Bryant, the past couple of years, who... When he first came into the league, uh, into the league he started hitting uh, a ton of fly balls. He would strike out a lot. seems like he was kind of selling out for power. And over the past couple of seasons, he cut down the strikeout rate, He's starting to hit more line drives, starting to hit more for batting average, but the power is going down. We spoke about this a little bit yesterday regarding Chris Bryant and that the ground ball rate has been up. It, it reminds me a little bit of that regarding Devers here, but if this continues to go the way that it's going, I mean, what are we going to get, 15 to 20 home runs out of him? Maybe that. I mean, he, he could be one of these guys who all right, he hits his home runs in bunches and whatever. They, they'll come, but, I mean, there's nothing right now in the batted ball data that, that says that that's going to happen. Like, it, it severely says that we underestimated his home run output for the season. Correct. We were probably expecting closer to 25 home runs. And, Correct. It's not going to happen. I mean, you look at the projections on Fangraphs from the rest of the... Like, Steamer has him for 16 home runs the rest of the way. You didn't draft Rafi Devers for 16 home runs. Derek Cardi, the bat projection, has him for 20. But a 273 batting average, so...
0: Things have to change in order to get there, though.
3: Yeah, it's just... It's been a really... Really odd start to the year because, like, there's some good... Again, there's pros. The line drive rate being up, the walk rate being up, the strikeout rate being down, but the cons are that kind of sacrificing any shot at power here. Another name... A lot of infield fly balls, too. It's just... Devers is all over the place right now. I don't, I don't feel great about him. If I
0: Another name that we wanted to mention on the Red Sox is Andrew Benintendi. And I wanted to do that because it was a name that you were off of very much in draft season. Not that you hated him, but you liked all the other guys going around him a heck of a lot more. Benintendi on the season, 276 with the OBP at 354. He's got two homers, 13 runs scored, 13 RBIs, stolen a couple bases, uh, being caught once. When you look into the batted ball profile of Andrew Benintendi, what do you see, Frank?
3: he actually is trying to hit a little bit more fly balls this year. He's been around, you know, 35 to 38% throughout his career. Last year he was at 35%, this year he's up to 42. So, he's lifted his fly ball rate by 7% this season. Um the hard hit rate is actually up. So, overall I don't think the batted ball data is bad. He's actually striking out a little bit more this year, which has put a bit of a damper on his batting average to start. He's at 276 He's got two home runs, two stolen bases. That's fine. The counting stats are okay, considering the slow start that the Red Sox lineup has gotten off to. 13 runs, 13 RBIs. But again, look at the projections the rest of the way. Steamer, 14 home runs, 13 stolen bases. That would make him a 16-homer, 15-stolen-base player for the season. That's just that's part of the reason why I didn't want right. Andrew Benintendi. Like, I say he's probably going to be close to a 20-homer, 20 20-stolen-base 20 guy, the fact that he was leading off for the Red Sox, you expected probably 100 runs scored. As of now, it looks like he would fall short of that. And look, the Red Sox lineup could get hot at the it's going to pick up blink at some of point. an eye. And, you know, he'll still probably give you 80 to 90 runs scored. But overall, Andrew Benatendi to me was just kind of a boring player. Like, Unless right. you were projecting him to do something that he hasn't done before. Like, this was going to be his third full season in the majors. Did you expect a, a third-year breakout? If that was the case, then you probably took Andrew Benatendi at that 2-3 turn, you know, end of round two, early round three. Me personally, you know, as you referenced, there were just other hitters going in that range. I would, you know, I would have taken Stalling Marte over him. If, you know, Freddie Freeman, John Stan, any of those guys were falling towards the end of the second round. You know, I, w- I was taking any of those players. I was just kind of a boring player for me. I didn't project him to take that next step. He still struggles against left-handed pitching. He has done so this year. He's hitting around 230 against lefties. It's always been an issue for him. It seems like he's sat out a few games here and there against lefties already to start the year. That's not my guy, okay. Andrew Benintendi. Not my guy.
0: Okay. The Dodgers yesterday started Alex Verdugo once again in center field. He got pinched hit for late in the game, but Alex Verdugo started in center field, and that's because AJ Pollock's been placed on the disabled list or the injured list rather, and. Alex Verdugo, we have kept saying he's worth picking up if he gets a chance. What do we do with Verdugo? It's a common conversation that we have had on this show thus far. Well, over the next 10 days or so, it's the sore elbow for Pollock. Verdugo's going to get his opportunity to play every day. Verdugo last night was batting seventh in the Dodgers lineup, a Dodgers team that fell to San Francisco three to two. Alex Verdugo in the lineup every day. How interested are you in him, Frank?
3: Yeah, he has to be a must-own player for now. Um and hopefully these things kind of figure themselves out. We talk about Michael Chavis and all these other young players. The cream, the cream always rises to the top. And Alex Verdugo, right now, look, he's just been—he's been crushing it this year. There's just there's no way around it. He is a pure hitter. You look at his minor league numbers. This is a guy that does not strike out. He's only striking out 11.3 percent of the time this season. He's batting three he He's got four homers, 16 RBIs in limited plate appearances. He has. 71 plate appearances on the season, hitting the ball harder than usual. This is a guy who has also hit too many ground balls at times, Greg, so far in his brief Major League career, but upping the fly balls a little bit more this year, hitting more line drives, and I don't worry about splits with him. I know that this is something, like the Dodgers are super into splits. They It seems like they'll they always bench Max Muncie against lefties, and they'll bench Jock Peterson against lefties, but I don't think that Alex Verdugo is a bad hitter against lefties. Small sample size, he's 4-for-11 against lefties so far this year. He's hit one of his four home runs against them. And I looked into the minor league numbers too, Greg. At A last season, 2018, in 96 at-bats against lefties, he hit 396 at AAA. Three ninety six with a nine eighty-four OPS against lefties. I think the guy can handle his own. In 2017, 94 games against lefties. 94 at bats against lefties. Rather, he had 277 with an 815 OPS. That's fine. He can handle himself against left-handed pitching. I just please, Dodgers, give this guy a chance to play every single day. I think you do have to own him in every league right now. Um, right now, Pollock is dealing with an infection in his elbow, and yep. this was the same elbow I believe that he had surgically repaired in the past. So it doesn't sound like it's going to be a long stint on the IL. But if Alex Verdugo just kind of takes off here. I think he's kind of going to work himself into everyday playing time for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Funny, funny uh, fact, Greg, I actually read an article yesterday regarding Alex Verdugo and the Dodgers. And it was basically saying that the Dodgers have a great problem on their hands and that AJ Pollock was already starting to lose some playing time to Alex Verdugo because he's been so awesome. So they need his bat in the lineup. They're trying to find ways to get him in there. He's now going to play every single day. I didn't, I didn't love the A.J. Pollock signing when they did it. It still kind of confuses me now because they have this young stud ready to go unless they plan on trading him away at some point for you know assets to help them win. But just very weird signing with the A.J. Pollock uh, signing for the for the Dodgers. Overall, I do think that Verdugo needs to be owned in all leagues right now.
0: Kenton Maeda started for L.A. He went five innings, allowed seven hits, walked two, struck out of three for the first time this season. Ross Stripling came out of the bullpen for L.A., it didn't go well. He only got one out and allowed three runs on a couple of hits. The big blow being Evan Longoria with a bases-loaded double, uh, and that was the the bases-clearing double, I really should say, uh, against Ross Stripling, the big blow uh, against him. On the other side, Baby Shark, Jeff Samarja, pitched well. Five innings, two hits, no runs, one walk, only struck out one, which isn't great, but facing the Dodgers, you went five shutout innings, I think we'll take
3: that. Yeah, absolutely. If you started Samarja for this 2 start week. Um, I would have liked to see him go deeper into the game. He only pitched 79 pitches and only, you know, threw five innings, so if you were able to get the quality start, that would have been great, but hey, don't press your luck when it comes to the baby shark, Jeff Samarja. The fact that he went five shutout innings, uh, of course you would have liked to see more strikeouts, but it is a tough Dodgers lineup, a lineup that doesn't strike out all that much, so overall, I think if you started him in a two-star week, you're fine with this, Greg. You're perfectly fine with it. I mean, he gave you an under... Under one whip. He gave you a 0.6 whip. He gave you zero ERA. Of course, you want more strikeouts, but overall, starting for the two star week, you avoided danger. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: It worked out all right for you. Uh, Evan Ligoria is a name I wanted to to bring up. It was a, uh, he pinched hit last night as Pablo Sandoval started this one uh, for San Francisco. Ligoria is batting just 210 with an OBP of 248. Should he be only at all in fantasy leagues right now? Only NL only. Okay.
3: Yeah, he's he's just kind of washed, and he's not in a good hitting environment. That, I mean, that's ultimately what it comes down to. The skills have kind of been dissipating the past couple of years. The walk rate has been dropping. He had only two forty-four last year, only 16 home runs. Just not a good ballpark to hit in. Not a good lineup to hit in. He's only hitting .210 right now. Just there's not a lot that's going to end up going right here for Evan Longoria. Like the power numbers, he's not going to give you much. Not going to be able to give you counting stats in this lineup. And only he should be owned just because he has a job and most of the time he's going to play. But anything other than that, like even in a 15-team mixed roto, Greg, I wouldn't want him as my corner infielder. He just got dropped in the main event. So that kind of tells you how you should feel about him. Only NL only. Only place worth owning him.
0: Zach Wheeler started for the Mets last night and just didn't have his best stuff. He allowed six innings, four runs over his six innings. He walked three, struck out four, seven hits. I will say this. He got better as he went on. Um, it, again, it wasn't a great outing by Zach Wheeler. Um, he allowed those runs uh, all in the second inning, but I, I thought he was actually getting better as he had a feel for what was working and what wasn't. Frank, I watched a lot of this start. On the other side, Tanner Roark. Give you a Tanner Roark line of three innings and two-thirds, four hits, four runs, four walks, and so three... If you started strikeouts. him in a
3: two-star week, you don't feel great.
0: You do. Like, if you would have got
3: that Jeff Samar just start out of Tanner Roark, you would have been all right with that. Uh, I know it was a second inning that really doomed Zach Wheeler yesterday. But he was, like,
0: there were base runners on there all night, to yeah. be fair. But he pitched a lot better after, after that game. second inning.
3: Okay. Yeah, so he he walks Puig to lead off the inning. He walks Schebler, then gives up a double, a single. And I didn't catch this because I was actually on my way to go play basketball, Greg. But Florio was saying that he was getting hit with a lot of dink and dump, kind of like really soft like base hits, doubles that were just finding the right spots to fall in. That's part of the game, obviously. He
0: was, but the concern was the velocity was down. After averaging around like 98 in his last start, he was back around 95 for an average, I believe, last night. And it was freezing at City Field. I don't know if that is, is what's going on there, but it was worth noting.
3: I read that he threw a pitch that was like 91 miles per hour on the gun, and Mickey Calloway came out to talk to him. He's like, are you all right? Right. Because, you know, you're not used to seeing that. If you see a a straight fastball, 91 miles per hour from Zach Wheeler, you're like, okay, what the heck's going on? This guy is normally, you know, 96, 97, 98 miles per hour, sometimes touching 100. Uh, but you, uh, you're you absolutely right about the uh, the velocity being down. He had been, you know, on average 97, 98. And then yesterday he was around 95. So, so I'm going to pay attention to Zach Wheeler for here. Hopefully he's not dealing with anything. A guy who's kind of always been nicked up in his career, sure. dealt with a lot of injuries. So. We're, we're keeping a close eye on Zach Wheeler. This was not a great start, but honestly, it could have been a lot worse the way of that second inning went. Absol-
0: absolutely. Again, he got better as things went on. The reason I also bring up this game is, well, it- it's twofold. First, my man Jesse Winker hit his eighth home run of the season. Whenever I look at Jesse Winker's game log, I'm shocked it's not Homer every day. day. Cause It's not. It just feels that way. Um, But Winker... He's finally getting to hit the ball better. He's much more comfortable in the cleanup spot. I know this is not a lot, but the average is now back up to two forty. Like if he just continues seeing the ball better and getting better contact, it's gonna be back where you, you want it really. is now over three hundred, three sixteen. Things are going better for Jesse Winker, obviously. Is who would you rather own Jesse Winker or Alex Verdugo?
3: I will take Jesse Winker okay. just because I think his playing time is more solidified for the rest of the season. If I knew that they were both going to have a starting opportunity every day from here on out, I would probably take Verdugo just because the lineup is a little bit better with the Dodgers.
0: Park is a little bit better for Cincinnati.
3: It it is true. Uh, We're splitting hairs here, for sure, because I do like both guys a lot. But in a vacuum right now, I would take Winker just because I think the playing time the rest of the way is a little bit more solidified. Hit his eighth home run last night, Greg. Already a career high.
0: How about that for Jesse Winker? You mentioned the playing time being solidified. Well, that's interesting because it looks like the Reds, potentially as soon as this weekend, may have another outfielder brought up. As it seems as if Vlad's up, and it's now time for Nick Senzel. Senzel returned to the minors after his ankle injury from the spring about eight games ago. Things are going well. He had his first home run of the season last night. And Senzo evidently has taken to center field very, very nicely for Cincinnati. They've been playing Scotty Schevler in center field for most of this season. Schevler's batting 135, the 273 OBP, certainly doing nothing to hold down the job. Yasiel Puig's been bad, and Matt Kemp is hurt. The only outfielder performing, it's Winker. If Nick Senzel gets called up, he's going to play every day. And we could be just a few days away from Senzel time.
3: Absolutely, Greg. And Nick Senzel owning 43% of Yahoo! Leagues right now, so... You might be out there in your league. If you're playing a 10-team league, maybe a shallower 12-team league, just go out and check and make sure that Nick Senzel is owned. And if not, make sure to get him on your team. Uh, The hit tool is absolutely legit, Greg. That was really the the calling card for Nick Senzel the past couple of years. He's dealt with a lot of injuries, uh, but his hit tool is his number one tool. But he does have an interesting power-speedy combination as well. Uh, just a few seasons ago in 2017, he had 14 home runs with 14 stolen bases and bat 321 with a 905 OPS. So there is a lot to like about Senzel here. And just joining this lineup overall, uh, they get another shot in the arm. Yesterday I mentioned they they lead off Jose Peraza, which ends up working out well. He goes two for five, hits an RBI double. So maybe this is a sign of things to come. Um, with they can, uh, they can use him at the top of the order. They can use... Um, Jose Praza at the top of the lineup, and then and then Vado second, and then they still have Suarez, and they still have uh, Jesse Winker, and then Senzel's coming too, so this lineup's going to get better, it's a good ballpark to hit in, once the weather starts to heat up a little bit, I think this Reds lineup will do so um, with the weather as well, so looking forward to Senzel joining there, just make sure he's owning your league.
0: When we come back, I want to ask Frank about a Mets player, kind of like we did with Ben Intendi and Devers, and that's Michael Conforto, because we haven't talked all that much about Conforto. So we'll talk about him. We'll also mention Jake Odorisi and what he did against Houston, and if it's a sign of things to come. Stick around. More baseball chatter on the way right after this.
1: Your story. Go to gamefacegrooming.com for all your athletic facial wipes and body cleansing needs. In
3: this league. Uh, for Avengers, instead, Ned, they're battling Mickey Mouse. So. <laughs> oh, ho, ho, hee. Oh, Welcome, everybody. <laughs> it's the greatest land in the world. We're going to get rid of all the evil. Uh, yeah, not Mr. Bill. Mickey Mouse. No, I'm, yeah, I kind of do do a Mr. Bill. Oh, no.
1: Hey, what are you guys doing? <laughs>
3: I'm just Mr. Bell.
1: Saturdays, 2 p.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers. Can't get enough fantasy football? Roto Experts has launched their NFL 365 Fantasy Football Package, which includes the best math-based seasonal projections and rankings available anywhere on the internet. Davis Maddock and the Roto Experts are providing dynasty, season-long betting, best ball, and NFL draft content every day of the year to give you an edge regardless of what type of fantasy football you play. Save 10% at rotoexperts.com with the promo code and T.S.Y. It's the NFL 365 Fantasy Football Package only at RotoExperts.com.
0: Fantasy Best Friends Forever Fantasy Sports Radio Network. You can catch Make It Rain with Joe Ranieri and Dane Martinez weekday mornings from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network as they get you caught up on all the previous night's action and prepped for the sports wagering day ahead. You can also watch the broadcast on YouTube and participate in their chat room. Watch it on Periscope, Twitch, or countless other OTT platforms. Become part of the show and tune in for the entertainment, the knowledge, and for the extra money they'll put in your pockets. It's Make It Rain with Joe and Dane weekday mornings from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern only on FNTS. Why? I said before the break, I wanted to discuss Michael Goodford, just another name that's uh, very popular on draft days, but we haven't really spoken all that much about him. What can you tell us from his batted ball, batted ball profile?
3: Another guy who's buying into the launch angle revolution so far this year, 49% fly ball rate. Uh, that would be a career high for him. Uh, as of now, last season, he was right around 36.6%. Um, the, the hard hit rate is not great. It's right around... League average 35%, but the fact that he's putting the ball in the air more, striking out less, walking a ton, 17.6% walk rate. If you've got this guy in OBP or points league, I mean, you feel great about it right now. He's got a 938 OPS. He's got 20 runs scored because the Mets lineup is a solid one, and the fact that he bats towards the top of it, and he's walking as much as he is, and he's got six home runs, chipping in some stolen bases now, too. Not really a part of uh, his game that we were expecting. He's already got two stolen bases. I think Michael Conforto has done everything asked of him so far, Greg. 270, six homers, 13 ribbies, 20 runs scored, um, striking out less, hitting more fly balls. There's lots to like with Conforto.
0: Yes, there is. Conforto actually doing what you would hoped he would uh, when you selected him on draft day. I mentioned Minnesota and Houston last night. It was a pitching battle between Justin Berlander, who went six innings, two hits, one run, the only run allowed was an Adrianza solo shot in the 30s, first homer of the season. Uh, he struck out seven while walking two. Well, Jake Odorizzi, seven innings, four hits, one walk, seven strikeouts against that Astros lineup, Frank. Odorizzi, if you look at what he has done thus far this year, pretty good. Only one uh, only one outing where he couldn't get through the first inning. Other than that, not on Stephen Matz-like, he's been really good. What can you tell us about Jake Odorizzi?
3: I don't really trust it all that much. I will say this. The swinging strikes are up. The K per nine is up this year as well, which helps because this is a guy who normally, when he gives up contact, he gives up a lot of fly balls. He just has a 23% ground ball rate. So uh, that's why you see his ERA is 3.34, but his XFIP is 4.71. Because if you normalize his home run to fly ball ratio to league average, which is around a t- 10, 11%, then this is basically his... His adjusted ERA based on a normalized home run to fly ball ratio. So a guy who gives up this many fly balls but hasn't given up this many home runs to start the year, he's been a little bit lucky. I like the fact that he's getting more swings and misses and getting more strikeouts, Greg. But overall, he's just not a guy that I trust. You know, he goes out here and has a great performance against the Houston Astros. He's the type of pitcher that you put him in your lineup the next time out, and he's going up against the Cleveland Indians, the Detroit Tigers. And how, about the, how about the
0: New York Yankees?
3: It's, that starts in Yankee Stadium, too. Like, doesn't that just scream, like, that's a game where, like, the home run to fly ball ratio uh, regression kind of comes into play there because it is in Yankee Stadium? Not buying. Look, if you, if you start him for a two-star week, you obviously— But you wouldn't balled. do against the
0: Astros and the Yeah, we
3: asked Modiki yesterday. He said, no, there's no way. And I, I agreed with him. Like, I, he was available in my leagues. I didn't pick him up. I didn't start him anywhere. If you started him yesterday for a two-star week and you got that start out of him, you feel phenomenal. You'll basically take whatever you get out of him in Yankee Stadium in his second start later this week, Greg. But overall, if I just play in a head to head daily league where I can pick him up and stream him, I would he would not be one of my active targets going up against All the Yankees. All right. Even so, with that triple A lineup. So
0: Jake Oderizi, Frank Stanville not buying it at this moment. St. Louis and Washington last night. You had Michael Waka come off the D L to face off against Patrick Corbin. And I bring this game up now, uh, to talk about Corbin, who he brought up. Uh, a couple days ago where you are saying, maybe I deserve the L on that. He went five innings, allowed six hits, six runs. He walked four. He struck out five. The fifth inning was where all the damage happened for Corbin, who was just cruising right along. Uh, he did not have it in that fifth inning.
3: Yeah, the walks are really uncanny for him. I think that's kind of what did him in here. Uh, gives up a solo home run to Harrison Bader. I mean, it's a really tough St. Louis Cardinals lineup. And kind of similar to what I said about Erod going up against the Oakland A's earlier on. This is a really tough lineup for left-handed pitchers because you have Goldschmidt, who's a righty. You got Young, who's a righty. You got Ozuna, a righty. Jose Martinez, who, by the way, Greg, uh, good call with Martinez, continuing to get it done. Two yeah. for four yesterday with yeah. another RBI. Yadier Molina's a righty. They, they take Colton Wong out of the lineup. They put in uh, Jed Jerko, who's a righty. They have Harrison Bader. So this is a really, really tough lineup for left-handed pitchers to navigate here. And I think, you know, once he starts walking Four guys, Greg, and a start. I mean, that's that's basically what's going to do Patrick Corbin in. I, I believe he also walked in a run at some point. He had bases it, loaded yep. and walked someone in. Um, but this is a guy who, last year he was 2.16 walks per nine. This year he's 2.39 walks per nine. So normally has pretty good command, doesn't walk all that many. So to see him walk four guys, I think last night was just one of those nights where... He just didn't have it against a really strong Cardinals lineup.
0: Michael Waka walked three guys in his five innings of work. He allowed four hits, three runs. He struck out five. Uh, Jordan Hicks did come on in the ninth inning and pick up his walker ninth guy? save. I'm
3: just not a walker. I'm done,
0: man. I'm, I'm long past I being don't. a walker guy.
3: He walks too many guys. He normally doesn't get that many strikeouts. It's just, nope, pass.
0: I do want to note in this one, Carter Kierboom. He went over 3 had his first error, which isn't good.
3: Batted sixth in the lineup yesterday. There are question marks about his defense, too, by the way. Yes,
0: there are. One reason he may not last, just no, say. I don't
3: see that. I'm just putting
0: it out there. It's the truth. <laughs> Kibum batted sixth in the lineup yesterday. i like to see that. Ahead of Brian Dozier, ahead of Jan Gomes, and ahead of Patrick Corbin.
3: Yeah, so you like to see that. Uh, obviously, the 0 here. Still, really, really small sample size. Hit two home runs over the weekend. In this game, and it's
0: without Anthony Rendon, who remains out of the lineup. They're going to make a decision on the IL today because it's ridiculous already. Uh, So, in this lineup, you had Eaton Robles, Juan Soto, and Howard Kendrick was playing third and batting fourth. Matt Adams and Ryan Zimmerman also had a lineup batting fifth. It just shows you how much they don't like Brian Dozier right now to me.
3: Yeah, it's true. Look, uh, he was batting below Carter Kibum. Is that a sign of, you know, things to come? They like Kiboom more than Dozier? Perhaps. We'll see what happens uh, in the long term here for the Nationals. Everyone kind of getting hurt here for the Nationals lineup. This isn't... I and
0: mean, they're not the Yankees, let's, let's be clear. Yeah, I,
3: yeah, it's true, but, the, you know, this seems like a far cry from the lineup that we saw on opening day. just seems weird seeing, like, Howie Kendrick in there and Matt Adams batting in the middle of this lineup. It just seems weird for the Washington Nationals, so hopefully... Anthony Rendon could get back sooner rather than later. Um, we'll get that decision regarding Rendon soon, and I'm sure that they can kind of like retroactive it back to whatever date. So they can't remember.
0: He played one game in there. He's okay. missed seven out of eight. So they can, re- so they can retroactive it from the back weekend. Yeah. then
3: until the weekend. So, it wouldn't he's, be so
0: bad. he's still going to be out without him uh, for a little while here. Uh, Jesus Aguilar, who we started because uh, we had to this week, made it work for us. Two home runs last night in Miller Park against the Rockies, uh, against Kyle Freeland, who came off the DL. Freeland went six innings, six hits, five runs, walking two and striking out three, while Zach Davies improved to 3-0, and o Frank, on the season. Five and a third, three hits, one run. It was not earned. He walked three while striking out two.
3: Oh, man. Zach Davies. What is going on with the world right now, Greg? Zach Davies has a 1.38 ERA. 5.7 Ks per nine, 3.58 walks per nine. It's just, what is happening? He just did that against the Rockies lineup, too. Was, look, I don't want to downplay what the guy did. It was a fine start for him, but he has got a 1.38 ERA, 4.96 XFIP. So, just don't buy into Zach Davies. If for some reason you were thinking of buying into Zach Davies, Uh, yeah, this was great to see from Jesus Aguilar. We needed to see this from him. We were debating dropping him in our 15-team Roto League over the weekend. We ended up not doing that. We get him in the lineup. He gets off the schneid here, Greggy. Three hits, two home runs. And I really like the fact that one of them was to straightaway center field and the other one was to opposite field, to right field for Aguilar. So it seems like it's one of those things like once you start see you see a few home runs pop and the way that they did center and right field, it seems like, all right, this, these are the types of things that we need to see and maybe Jesus Aguilar is about to come around. It was against a left-handed pitcher. Eric Thames wasn't in the lineup. Let's see what happens the rest of the week when they're going up against a righty. Do they get Eric Thames in the lineup? Do they find ways to get both of these guys in the lineup? It'll be interesting to see, but definitely something we needed to see from Jesus Aguilar, Greg. If he was dropped in 12-team leagues, should people go out and start freaking out, oh, i got to get Jesus Aguilar back on my team because he's about to do what he did last year?
0: No, I, I'm not making a rash decision one day. If you just dropped him, if you dropped him over the weekend, I'm not running in the waiver wire. We should give it a week. Let's the there's week
3: no goes. worse feeling, though. There's No, no worse, great. there is you, no worse feeling You dropped feeling Jesus at all. on Sunday. He goes three for four, hits two home runs, gives you four ribbies, and you're just staring at it on the waiver wire now and someone else is going to pick it up. It's so And bad. potentially reap the, the benefits of Hazard Hagelar the rest it's of awful. the It's awful. It's a terrible feeling. So what do you do now? Do you, do you blow some of your fab to get him back on your team? You obviously drafted him for a reason. There was something there that you liked. We, it's a tough situation.
0: I, I mentioned Zach Davies lying. You were shaking your head while I was giving it. How come?
3: Just, he's not good. He all pitches right. to contact. He pitches nice. in Miller Park, Greg. pitches in a tough division. I say that all with him having a 1.38 ERA and he's 3-0. Correct. But the underlying numbers for him are just not good, Greg. they Are they terrible? He's got, a, he's, got an over, he's got a 5K per nine, and he almost has a four walks per nine. <laughs> His ex-fip is almost five. It's bad. Not
0: good. It's, it's, it's very bad. Okay. Let's talk about somebody good then. And it's, it was your boy versus my boy last night. Did you know that? Are you trying to figure out who I'm talking about? No, I didn't know. It was Mike Soroka.
3: Mike Soroka!
0: Who went six innings, allowing four hits, one run, striking out eight. Against Nick Vicious, five and two thirds, three runs, only one was earned. He walked three though, also struck out three. His defense let him down.
3: Anything else on Nick Vicious, Greg? Nope. Anything else on Mike Soroka, Frank? Uh, Mike Soroka was awesome last night. He just every start continues to impress me. I mean, his arsenal is really good. Like his, it seems like all of his pitches have movement. Like his slider is legit. Eight strikeouts last night. Uh, I was a little surprised that it was either last start or the start before this. They let him go over 100 innings, almost 110, uh, 100 innings, 100 pitches, like 110 pitches. And then last night, he gets through six with only 81 pitches. Would have been nice to see him go seven, but I guess, you know, if they stretched him out a little bit too far last time, they didn't want to push their limits. Uh, And ultimately, me too. I don't want to get too greedy when it comes to Soroka, because this is a guy who has had shoulder issues, but it was an awesome start last night. Only one walk, eight strikeouts. Uh, the whip well below one there. He's just getting it done. And, and I would recommend streaming pitchers against the the Padres lineup right now. They yeah, they're very they cold. they very cold. I know um, one of these days I would like to do some, like an all-encompassing hitters to buy and pitchers to buy. Well, well, and I think one of them is Manny Machado. Right well,
0: now. tomorrow we're going to look at some of the underlying statistics for the month of April because you know how I like to kind of sum it all up. Mm-hmm. April and March are done. So we're going to take a look back at the month of April and see certain numbers and who to buy and who to sell Not to who we should believe in who we should not believe in. We're going to do that on tomorrow's show uh, for two hours. Let's do it. All right, cool. Um, I do want to note, Ozzy Albies hit his sixth homer of the year last night, leading off again for the Bravos. Uh, 299 average, 359 OBP. So Chris Venture's feeling good. But Shout out
3: to Venture, by the way. He loved Ozzy Albies and, and Tim Anderson. Anderson who we're going to get to next. Shout out to Venture, man.
0: Josh Tomlin pitched the seventh and eighth inning yesterday. And then in the ninth, without A.J. Minter available, without Luke Jackson available, they started out with Jerry Blevins, who struck out the lefty, and then they bring in Jacob Webb, no relation to Joe Webb. Uh, they bring in Jacob Webb, who struck out a batter on seven pitches, got another out, and picked up his first save ever. This team needs to sign Craig Kimbrel and be done with it. That's all I got.
3: Yeah, the only thing that I see in their way right now, Greg, is that draft compensation. Mm-hmm. I think you know, once we get past that, once we get past the MLB draft, I do believe that Craig Kimbrell will be signed. Uh, it wouldn't be wouldn't surprise me at all if he ends up with the Atlanta Braves, uh, but it seems like this is kind of like the next issue in a long line of issues when it comes to MLB and Major League Baseball in general. The fact that people are not signing uh, Dallas Keuchel, who is a former Cy Young award winner. and I know...
0: I think forget that Keuchel's out there.
3: Yeah, like, no one's signing Dallas Keuchel, no one's signing Craig Kimbrell, and we have, like, all these issues with, like, paying baseball players right now and draft compensation and, and, you know, leaving players down who deserve to be playing because of service time. Like, there's a lot of issues going on in baseball overall. Uh, but this guy, Jacob Webb, just looked into him. He has 23 career saves in the minor, so he has been used as a reliever. He has some experience as a closer, um, at least saving games. I don't really expect much from him here. I think it was just because those guys had the night off, A.J. Minter. Uh, but Minter has not been good. Luke Jackson has been pretty good. So we'll see what comes of this. Could be another, you know, three-headed situation here for the Atlanta Braves.
0: We mentioned Tim Anderson before. Tim Anderson is arguably the the hottest player in baseball at this point. Another home run last night for Tim Anderson. He's sixth of the year. Um he, he's just been on fire. If you just look at what he has done uh, on the self-proclaimed season,
3: self-proclaimed Jackie Robinson of baseball. Huh, Gary? He's batting
0: 375 <laughs> with six homers, eighteen ribbies. He has ten stolen bases already. Uh, Anderson has been on fire as the White Sox proved to five and three, just two games under 500 now. Do you
3: really have ten stolen bases? Yes, he does. Gosh! Wow!
0: Two games six under 500 homers, now. Eighteen
3: ribbies, ten stolen bases. Yeah,
0: it's unbelievable, man. And how about this? Man Bam picks up his second win. Five and two thirds, five hits, two runs, three walks, six strikeouts, with Irvin Santana being designated for assignment. Manny Banuelos staying in the rotation. I have to ask it, Frank. Are you
3: interested in Manny Banuelos? Reggie? Yes? You're late to this one. I picked him up in a league. I Picked him up in the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational and started him last night. No way! My pitcher, Greg. I had Homer Bailey on that team. Oh, well, that's your fault. I needed to pick up a two-star pitcher. And I was like, "All right, Manny Banuelos." He's owned in my league? That's insane, dude. <laughs> what? I look, Manny Banuelos should not is not a must-owned player by any means. I picked him up because he had a two-star week. Maybe in fifteen-team mix, little bit of interest there. I mean, this is a journeyman. He did have prospect pedigree with the Yankees back in the day. Still just twenty eight. Still just twenty eight. Uh, this is a guy who I know Nando wanted to be a thing forever. Seems like he's getting a, a bit of an opportunity here for the uh, Chicago White Sox. They don't have a ton of great pitchers on their team, so mild interest. Like AL only, he should be owned maybe in K- fifteen team. Mix. So, Anything shallower than that, like do not pick this guy up in a twelve so team.
0: So here's what Frank uh, is the reason he's saying that. So his caper nine is K-Bernice okay. It's eight and a half. Uh, the walks per nine, not as okay at around five, 4.95 this season.
3: A lot of that has been out of relief. As,
0: as a bullpen, right? yeah. His FIP and Fip are both over four. Not like terribly
3: over four, but over four. <laughs> All right. Yeah, he's All just right. like, meh. I mean, he's just, Who's he got for that second start? He's a 10% swinging strike rate right now. It's
0: home against Boston, huh? You're going to start with that two-start.
3: <laughs> well, I got what I needed to uh, last night against the, the Orioles. They get a win. Out of uh, Manny Banuelos. Man, I, gotta, I gotta do a little bit of a deep dive okay. on Tim Anderson. But, but, so, 2% uh, walk rate. That's standard Tim Anderson.
0: So that was my question, right? With Tim Anderson.
3: He had a 29% hard hit rate.
0: What are you selling Tim Anderson for? What are you buying Tim Anderson for? How real is Tim Anderson?
3: This is a guy... In all fairness, he has a 29% hard hit rate. He has a 30% hard hit rate for his career. So he's been able to put up good numbers even without the best bat of ball data. He's not going to maintain a 375 batting average. Uh, this is probably one of the guys over the next couple of days that we'll talk about, Craig. Like, what do you do? What do you try do? and sell him. Do you just keep him? I think I would just reap the rewards for now.
0: Football next with Jim and Chris.